Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents Evolve, featuring your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture, with your host, Robin White Turtle Listening. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. The arts and evolving consciousness are how we are bringing that change to the culture at large. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of the times we are in. Helping you evolve is Robin White Turtle Disney, who received her Master's in Fine Arts from Mills College in Creative Writing in 2012 and her PhD in Energy Medicine in 2013. She is an author of three books, the most recent being Heart Path, Learning to Love Yourself and Listening to Your Guides. She has published poetry in many literary journals and numerous anthologies, and her poem, First Step, was selected for reading by survivors at the Virginia Tech Memorial Bench dedication in April 2010. In addition to her writing, Robin is also an artist whose work has been shown widely throughout the Midwest and East Coast. Robin White Turtle Lisney is a psychic medium and energy medicine practitioner through East West Bookstore in Mountain View, California, through her office in Santa Cruz, California, and across the country by phone. Robin travels across the country as a speaker and leading workshops. To find out more about Robin, you can visit her website at www.thecenterforthesoul.com. So take a breath, relax, and let yourself evolve with your host, Robin White Turtle Listening.
Hi, and welcome to the show. This is your host, Robin White-Turtle-Lisney, and today we have a really exciting show. We have um, a Robin Michelle Jones, who is a cranial sacral therapist, and we'll learn more about her in a minute. And then we have selections from uh, Pai Bubi Cantos uh, from Brazil, and I'll be playing those in the intermissions. The first one is Canto para Iansa. The next one is Catimambo. And the third one is Armante Cigano. So these are songs to nature, basically, songs to the wind um, and songs to the Ciganos, which are spirit guides and so on. So it'll be a really interesting show. All right, so we're going to start right now. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, and this is Evolve. Welcome. This is Evolve on Blog Talk Radio, Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E, and I'm Robin White Turtle Lisney, and today we have Robin Michelle Jones, who is a cranial sacral therapist and also has a master's degree and massage therapist. She's been involved in the healing arts since 1984. She studied a lot of different bodywork modalities and found her niche working uh, with the connective tissue from its depths in the nervous system. So we're going to be talking about uh, cranial sacral work. And um, she's also a certified teacher of biodynamic cranial sacral therapy with a private practice in Santa Cruz. And she received her master's degree in mindfulness-based psychotherapy in 2009, uh, writing on inherent health in core process psychotherapy practice. She teaches intrinsic health in a body dynamic, a biodynamic approach to fascial release, which she taught at Twin Lakes College for 12 years. Her passion is in living is in living the web of connection and wholeness, and assisting others in accessing their own inherent potential for healing. So welcome, Robin Michelle. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> So I wanted to talk about this topic because I don't think that a lot of people understand what healing is when we actually talk about that. So uh, I wanted to start by just like looking at health and wholeness and what that really is from a healer's perspective and begin there. Um So let's just ask the question, what is health, you know, and from your perspective, how would you phrase what health is? Well, it's interesting because health can have a lot of different meanings for different people, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a person who's worked in the healing arts for many, many years, I consider health to be more having to do with balance and a sense of connection. And if someone's feeling connected to themselves, connected to their bodies, connected to their life, and feeling in balance in that way, there's a sense of health there. It's like Health and wholeness, it's always fascinating to me that those words have the same root. Mm. So that health means wholeness, but it doesn't mean that we aren't like missing a leg or have cancer or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a way that we can be in touch with our own health no matter what's going on. So it's a deeper meaning of health is what I am like to look at. Mm-hmm. So somebody that would have cancer or would have a heart disease, they can still be happy and inherently healthy in their relationships and in their life and in relation to their body and have this illness or disease to cope with. 
that what you're saying? Exactly. It's like that, not that what's happening with us defines who we are. Right, right. Who we are is someone deeper than that. So that's great. Okay. So if health is balanced, um, can you give an example of like somebody that you know that's been sick but that also is really healthy? Because it's a paradox to a lot of people, I'm sure, listening to this. Right, right. I have a friend who's been uh, dealing with uh, a recurrence of her breast cancer. And I received an email from her recently, and it shone brightly even through the email mm-hmm. how much she has been working with her own awareness and her own growth through the cancer process. Mm-hmm. So she uh, she spoke of not of the devastating effects of the disease, but she spoke of how it had opened her heart, for instance, mm-hmm. and how she had found herself not afraid. Mm-hmm. And to me, that really spoke of true health. Mm-hmm. 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 That sounds wonderful. Well, I wish her the best. <laughs> it's a challenging diagnosis. All right, so w- we wanted to talk about health and and as a therapist um, or as a healer, how how does one address that? I mean, if you're sitting there with somebody in front of you that's got an illness, what's your approach to that? What do you sit with? What do you what are you present with? What I'd like to start a little bit with here is a quote that you and I were talking about earlier by uh, Karen Wigala. And uh, she says, the activity of the healer, then, is not to infuse health into the client, but rather to help uncover the already existing health that is the client's birthright. This means that the therapist is a helpful companion on the journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the way that I hold it and see it is, it's not that I'm sitting there with someone and I'm thinking, oh, you're intrinsically healthy, and then I'm ignoring what's going on with them. It's really a lot about, again, coming back to balance, and a balance not only in our attitude but also in our attention. Mm-hmm. So I ha- come from a ground of being, of knowing that this person is incredibly brilliant. Mm-hmm. They came through my door. Mm-hmm. You know, They have managed their life. They have managed many things of which I will never have any awareness of. Mm-hmm. There is a brilliance in each of us and how we are still managed to show up and mm-hmm. be in our lives. And at the same time, I'm going to receive them. I'm going to receive their story. I'm going to feel and be resonant with the pain that they're expressing. Mm -hmm. And I know that that pain is not who they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole difference. There's a whole shift there. And and we all can know that feeling of when we're received by someone who is feeling us as an inherent human being rather than relating to us as the broken arm or the cancer, or whatever might be going on, there's a, a what we might call a being-to-being resonance, which we call in the craniosacral therapy, where it is that relating on a heart level, on a being-to-being way, that actually begins to create the healing field. Right. The healing field. I love that term. Yeah, because when you recognize, I mean, to me, healing is about any quality of being, not I'm the healer and they're you know they're the healy. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's more of a, a witness state to me. It's like witnessing this this 
piece of this part of God basically that's coming in that's got this issue and I'm a, a part of God that's here looking at them right right yeah and witnessing them and hearing them and you know listening to what their needs are and I try to address their needs so yeah 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 well great great so when we talk about health and restoring balance what how do you see inherent health i mean we have talked about this a little bit touched on it but it it is more like an issue of birthright than it is really about whether someone has a disease or not is that what is that right. what i'm hearing right right there is that it's so tied together, inherent health, inherent wholeness. Of course, those two words coming from the same root. Yeah. But um, the reality is, is that there is a way that we are whole from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, we started out as one cell. Mm-hmm. And every part of our body is a subdivision of that one cell. Mm-hmm. So this can be a whole, like, paradigm shift, like, put you over on your ear, kind of a change of of looking at it, or rather our bodies as parts and pieces, Mm -hmm. rather than everything in our body, comes from one cell. Mm -hmm. So there is an inherent wholeness just in that notion, just in that knowing. Right, right. The inherent notion of us being, being healthy, being whole, being part of the divine, I mean... Talk a little more about that, because I think that's so important. Well, you do see it at at all levels of being. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. For instance, in quantum physics, David David Bohm talked about how he quantum potential, and to him, what quantum potential was, is that he saw wholeness as a primary reality. Mm. Everything at the subatomic level is related, Mm -hmm. and he saw space not as a void, Mm -hmm. but as a rich texture full of process Mm -hmm. and energy waves and movement. Mm. So we could talk about space, but we can also talk about our bodies, talk about the field that we're embedded in. in. Mm -hmm. It's it's just full of potential. It's full Mm -hmm. of movement, energy, life, light, Mm -hmm. photons. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can even take it into other teachings, like Thich Nhat Hanh talks about the waves and the water. Mm-hmm. You know that we the stuff that happens in our life are the ra- waves that are on the surface, right? But it's still part of the water, mm-hmm. it's still part of the ocean, mm-hmm. it's still part of the whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's true in a spiritual level too. You know, we we hear, well, we are all one, and then you know you look at all the conflicts in the world and you think, no way, we're not one. But the truth is we are all related like um there's this idea that you know within four relationships we would know everybody in the world you know mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. it, we're we all need food clothing shelter we all need love in our lives we all need you know basic uh support and parenting and all of that kind of thing so there's there's a tremendous amount of similarity in our needs and if we just look at it on a needs level this certainly is true across the board. Um, uh, and it's also true, you know, like you say, on a subatomic level. So from many different perspectives, right. we, we are part of the same fabric of, of life. 
Yes. And uh, I think that's really an important notion to keep in mind when we're talking about health and healing. Yeah, yeah you know, in my work with uh, connective tissue over the years has uh, informed me so deeply about this. Mm-hmm. Because the connective tissue on our body is it surrounds every cell. Mm-hmm. And it literally uh, creates uh, fabric. Mm-hmm. like a web, a mm-hmm. three-dimensional web throughout the whole body. Mm-hmm. So it is the connection, the connective tissue connects, absolutely, that the connective tissue or the fascia, as it's sometimes called, actually is a communication system mm-hmm. in the body. And there are, are fluids in the connective tissue. There are actually light photons in the collagen fibers in the connective tissue. And that there is information transmitted throughout the body, literally at the speed of light. Mm-hmm. So you could think of it as our soft-wired nervous system. Mm-hmm. So in working with the connective tissue and seeing the effects of perhaps holding someone's shoulder and how a hip will release, or feeling, you know, doing a leg pull on someone and their neck, they say, oh, my neck feels better. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is that? Mm-hmm. But is that at that level that everything is connected and everything is knowing each other and affecting each other? Yeah, it's like acupuncture. When you put a needle in the little toe, you know, it rebalances something, you know, in another part of the body. So certainly Eastern medicine has taught us that. Um, And the fascia, now let's describe the fascia for those people that don't really understand physiology very well. Mm -hmm. It's not skin. It's below the skin. That's right. And it's between the skin and the organs and the right. muscle tissue and all of that. Yes. So right. the fascia itself is is varied throughout the whole body. Uh-huh. The connective tissue is. There are sh- some some people make the differentiation. They say sheets of fascia because there are actual like sheets of this fabric mm-hmm. that like are between the muscles that allow the muscles to slide. There's mm-hmm. a sheet of it over the that helps the uh, protect the intestinal organs mm-hmm. like that. The connective tissue in the body. This organ of its own in a way is uh it has it's the way it's it's uh, constructed is it has a gelatinous ground substance hmm. and in that gelatinous ground substance are laid down collagen fibers which are protein and they're as strong as steel hmm. and then there are also elastin fibers which for instance like lets your skin stretch or lets you move and like that but the Depending on the composition of the connective tissue, it can be everything from the clear cornea of your eye Mm. to the thickness of your Achilles tendon. Mm. It's a major tissue in your body that is connecting everything, constructing everything, holding everything, allowing things to move. So so, uh, on the Achilles tendon, so... uh, Achilles, the Achilles tendon or any tendon, is that part of the fascial system or is it? Yes. Oh, that's something I never knew before. This is what's fascinating to me. Uh Because if you even look back at embryology, Uh so in the early, early days of our embryology, when we're already implanted in our mother's womb, Mm -hmm. and we begin as just a little two layers, and we have our what you what becomes later our endoderm will later become our gut tube, mm-hmm. and then our ectoderm, which is our uh, back our skin our backside and the skin that ends up coming all the way around. But in the middle, what happens is there begins to be a migration of cells and a stretching and a growing, and then there's the middle, which is the meso. Meso mm-hmm. means middle. Mm-hmm. Some people say mesoderm, but it's not accurate because derm means skin. Mm-hmm. So the meso is the middle. And from these very basic meso cells, everything else 
in our bodies arise mm-hmm. from the gut tube to our to the skin. Mm-hmm. And so the bones arise, the cartilage arises, the tendons, the blood vessels, the organs, the muscles, all of this is arriving arising from this similar material, the meso. Mm-hmm. And we we are used to anatomy develop, dividing our systems up. You know, we talk right. about our digestive system, we talk about the respiratory system like that. And the nervous system. And, and the and nervous all system all yeah. But truly everything grows together. Mm-hmm. You know, when the nervous system is developing, the nerve cells that will be our sensory cells are as the skin that what's going to be our skin is stretching away from the middle of the body it's actually dragging those nerves those sensory nerve cells with it mm. so it isn't that a nerve cell comes along and makes its way to the skin it's that it all grew together at the same time mm-hmm. so an under, understanding of embryology and understanding of connective tissue it's just so deeply informative about the wholeness in our body and mm-hmm. how everything grows together and influences everything mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's fascinating to to hear we're going to come back in just a minute and talk a little bit more with robin michelle jones who's a cranial sacral therapist and a biodynamic teacher and uh, who teaches uh, biodynamic cranial sacral therapy in Santa Cruz, California. So we'll be right back. And this is Robin White Turtle Listney, and the show is Evolve. Avanjo, o Avanjo, e bumburu se maoro, si Avanjo, e o Avanjo, o Avanjo, e bumburu se maoro, si Avanjo, e o Avanjo, o Avanjo, e O se avanjo, o se a pele negra brilhante da guerreira que desperta O fogo que nos clareia, a espada que liberta Reparreu e a guerreira, reparreu e a menina Minha santa padroeira é mãe de Santa Catarina O se avanjo, o se Avanjo, o avanjo e ao e bumburu sema ouro se avanjo e o avanjo, o avanjo e. So this is Pai Bubi Kanto Para Iansa, and 
my name is Robin White Turtle Listney, and this is Evolve. Um, thank you for listening. We're going to have other selections here by Pai Booby as we also interview Robin Michelle Jones. So stay with us. This is Robin White Turtle Listney, and today I'm talking to Robin Michelle Jones, uh, who is a cranial sacral therapist and a biodynamic teacher. She teaches uh, uh, cranial sacral therapy and and has a private practice. Um, she also teaches intrinsic touch, which is a biodynamic approach to fascial release, which she taught at Twin Lakes College for 12 years. Her passion is in the living the web of connection and wholeness and assisting others to access their own inherent potential for healing. And we're talking today about what health is and what what are we when we look at health and wholeness. Um, and we were just talking about the miso, <laughs> which is not the miso soup, right? <laughs> but it is the miso in our tissues. You right. want to talk a little more about that and what you were just, pointing out to me at the break here. Mm-hmm. So miso, it's actually spelled M-E-S-O. So yes, different than miso. Which is M-I-S-O. One of the things I was thinking about in relation to all of that, that you know, we begin as a single cell and then we grow this whole amazing body with trillions of cells. And it's all connected and all grew together and all grew in an incredible dance together mm-hmm. and that these forces these something that we're not always aware of especially as we come into adulthood is that these forces these embryological forces that actually formed and shaped our body in the very beginning these uh, inherent growing and healing forces are with us throughout our whole life mm-hmm. and so as uh, bodywork practitioners often what people will feel is having hands on someone you might actually feel that there's an if you're quiet enough and in a subtle enough and listening touch you might actually feel that there are inherent movements in the body that are moving towards healing or moving towards resolving issues in the Uh, tissues issues in the tissues tissues. (laughs) so it is um it's a good thing to know that these inherent forces that formed our bodies in the beginning, yeah. that took those stem cells and made them into something that differentiated, and a liver cell could do what a liver cell does, and a right. spleen cell can do what a spleen cell does, that same intelligence, those same forces are with us throughout our whole life. Yeah. And that that is fascinating to me because the regenerative quality of our systems. I mean, we all, you know, we're all aging, okay? We're all getting older. But we also have a regenerative inherent quality in our systems. 
and also one that moves towards health. That's right. Always, That's right. always moving toward health. Yeah. Even even in um, transitioning from life to death or life to the other side, for some people that is a transition into opening to more of their light or more of who they are inherently or authentically. So part of what is so exciting to me about healing is and healing work is that it actually helps us become more of our authentic selves. The more we do healing, the more we get to the core of who we are. That's right. That's right. And that is very exciting. And the core of who we are can be, um, you know, full of cancer or not full of cancer, but that, that inherent health is always there, that inherent essence. And and that is a really different concept than curing, you know, like uh, that we have to cure everything. It's a very different frame of viewing the body-mind, body-mind-spirit, actually. You know, it certainly is. There is a way that our originality, though, if you might want to call it our original blueprint, is present in these in in the intelligence in these healing forces. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the things that we take for granted. You know, if we cut our finger. You know, fixing dinner, it heals. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to plan it. We don't have to tell the blood cells and the white blood cells and the and the whatever happens with the skin to to do what to do. It, mm-hmm. it knows how to do it. And this inherent healing capacity isn't just in the tissues. It's in it's in our psyche. It's in our emotional body. It's in our mental body. It's in our spiritual body. Mm-hmm. And there is an inherent movement, a very just inborn birthright movement in us towards healing. Mm-hmm. And some, sometimes it can be hard to see. Sometimes it can be hard to see, and people could say, well, what about this, or what about that, or how, how do you see health there? But the truth is, is if you really kind of step back and you look at what's happening in someone's life or what they might be doing or what's happening, there is a, there is a genius to it, mm-hmm. even in mental illness. Mm-hmm. There is a genius that that person has figured out the best way to manage their own internal atmosphere their own internal environment with what's happening outside of them. Mm -hmm. And so what might look crazy to you or I or someone else is actually brilliant Mm -hmm. on that person's part. Mm -hmm. So if we can begin to do this paradigm shift Mm -hmm. where we are actually looking for the health in our interactions with people, so rather than looking for what's broken or what's wrong, I mean, you're listening to someone, mm-hmm. you're conversing with them, you're in relationship with them, and you're just fascinated to find out how is the health showing up in their life. Right, right. And also what is what is needing to become aware, what are they needing to become aware of Right. that will help <clears throat> them then address the situations that aren't uh, coherent. I would like to use the word coherent because coherent Absolutely. really is about resonating toward that health, mm-hmm. which I think is, a re- again, a very different concept than trying to cure everybody or make everybody well. It isn't about making them well. It's about making them more whole. Right. And, and actually the wholeness is already there. Yeah, so, so it's, it's just finding the path to the wholeness. Exactly. To very different ideas than Western medicine. But one that isn't too far-fetched for, I think, Western medicine to start looking at healing and disease and curing 
in the context of the whole, of the larger being. Because really what we're talking about is a spiritual health as well as the physical body, mind, mental health. Right. So it really is a holistic, truly a holistic approach to what health is. Right. That coherency, um, quote-unquote, equals balance, equals health. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there could be lots of things happening, actually happening in the physical body that might not look healthy, but there could still be coherency. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, illnesses that we have so commonly, heart disease and cancer and arthritis and all those things, could be seen in the context of the whole that the cancer can actually be a cry for balance in the physical body. Like right. there's something got out of balance, which then created the conditions for the cancer to arise. We all have cancer running around in our systems, but whether or not it, it, it attaches as disease or makes a disease or a tumor, um, the conditions have to be right for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So if we think about any kind of illness as being a symptom of what might be out of balance in our lives, then disease doesn't become... Uh, disease becomes something that we can hold in a larger context of all of the things going on right. in a person. Yeah, and even to think of the word disease, yeah. dis-ease, uh-huh. you know, it again speaks to what we've been talking about in terms of coherency or incoherency. Right. And, you know, we can uh, be careful, too. We don't want anybody to feel blamed for having their cancer oh, or no, their no, illness. No. You know, uh-huh. I know that that's not what you meant, but I no. want to really speak that because yeah. sometimes people can take that on. Right. And uh, it's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about an inclusiveness. Right. We're talking about an ability to be present with what is. Right. To uh, welcome our experience. And that can help bring in that uh, connectivity, that sense of coherency. Because mm-hmm. isn't so much of our suffering comes out of a sense of disconnection. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and so so allowing for that uh, perspective and getting um, back to some of what we're talking about here uh, in with uh, inherent health and what that is and accessing our awareness. Um, let's talk a little bit about the actual process of cranial sacral and how does that do that? How does that? How does that? How does the work that you do and that you teach uh, tune in to what's out of balance? I don't know if that's too complicated a question, but no, uh-uh, no, it's a uh, it's always a large topic. The the uh, foundation training is two years long, mm-hmm. so it. Uh, you know, we all we say that over and over in class, and that's why this training is two years long. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> a big part of what we learn in the cranial sacral therapy is a perceptual shift. Right. And so we, it's a very interesting experience, and, and I would encourage anybody, you don't have to be a body worker to try this, but put your hands on, you know, have somebody tell you that their shoulder is hurting and tell you their problems with their shoulder, and then put your hand on their shoulder like you're going to fix it. You know, and see how that feels in your body. See how that feels in their body. Uh Then take your hands off and just take a moment to breathe and remember that this person is whole and healthy and they've made it this far. They're incredible. And they have incredible healing capacity within them. And then put your hands on their shoulder again. 
It's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. And this is quantum. This mm-hmm. is quantum. The mm-hmm. observer affects the experiment. Yes, absolutely. So as practitioners, where our state of awareness, our state of perception is uh, key. It's bottom line in the uh, in the practice of our healing work. So in craniosacral therapy, in the biodynamic work, we we a lot of our work is in the learning is around learning this perceptual shift that I can put my hands on someone very gently and listen. Mm-hmm. And what I'm listening for is I'm listening for the health. And th- that can show up in many different ways. It can show up as in gentle, like I said, these gentle embryological movements that are still in, happening in our bodies. Mm-hmm. It can also show up in the uh, cranial rhythms, mm-hmm. that there are uh, rhythms in the body itself and in the cerebral spinal fluid that flows around the central nervous system. And this flows in a very tidal way, and that it has sort of like waves coming onto the beach and then sucking back into the ocean. There's very much that feel of the way that the uh, craniosacral uh, fluids move up and down surrounding the brain and the uh, spinal cord. Mm -hmm. So we learn how to perceive these. So it is a it is a process. It's a uh, personal process and a professional process of learning how to perceive these subtler rhythms in the body. But there's an interesting thing because isn't it that way when your a friend is listening to you mm-hmm. and they like really get you, mm-hmm. you know? And how, what a difference that makes. And maybe you'll get an insight mm-hmm. or maybe you'll get a shift. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens with bodies. Mm-hmm. When we listen to a body, like really listen, and we begin to pay attention to these basic subtle rhythms the body's like oh you're paying attention Mm -hmm. and then it'll show you something it'll say you know while you're paying attention you know i know that you're listening to these lovely rhythms that i have but you know there's this thing in my shoulder Mm -hmm. so and then that's not woo woo it really happens in the sessions because if you're in a settled enough place that you can perceive the the uh these tidal rhythms you can also perceive the body pulling your attention towards the shoulder right Right. Right? right. So it is a perceptual process, and it takes time for us basically to deprogram ourselves right. from our culture to allow ourselves to slow down. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of this has to do with settling our own nervous system. I'm so glad you brought yeah. that up because settling your own nervous system it really is a requirement to perceive such subtle energies, I would think. That's right. I mean, it's like any healer has to be aware of their own issues in order to do healing on someone, or Mm -hmm. a therapist needs to be really keenly aware of their own issues so that they're not projecting that on the client. Exactly. Exactly. It's the same thing, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this kind of work, cranial sacral work, massage, body work, uh, healing, any kind of healing modalities really require That's the right. person doing healing to work on themselves. Yes, and yeah. that is that isn't that to me is like absolute. It's, it's, <laughs> if it's there's necessary. any absolutes, it's absolutely necessary. You know, I think if people aren't able to do that or aren't able to go there, they actually get self-selected out of doing the work. Yeah. Because the, really, the, yeah. there is a way that there, uh, this inherent health, this inherent peace, this inherent wisdom in our bodies and in the field that holds us and creates us, it requires this of us. Mm-hmm. And if we aren't able to go there, then in some way we get self-selected. Mm-hmm. I, it's been my observation anyway. So a process like the two-year foundation training that I teach 
is obviously not just a professional training. It's also very much a, a personal growth process. Right. Because we deepen in ourselves, this, though any kind of healing work like this allows us to drop more and more into our authentic nature. Mm-hmm. And it certainly doesn't happen in just two years. That's why it's called a foundation training. Mm-hmm. It's just the beginning. It's an ongoing journey that we all uh, jump into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is such a fun discussion. I love this. <laughs> um, I'm with Robin Michelle Jones, who uh, is a certified cranial sacral therapist, and she teaches biodynamic uh, approach to fascial release, uh, which she taught at 12 Twin Lakes College here in Santa Cruz for 12 years. Um, Robin Michelle Jones has been doing healing work and various forms of body uh, work since 1984. So we'll be right back. We're going to take a little break. This is Robin White Turtle Listney, and uh, we're on the show Evolve. That's part of Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E, on Blog Talk Radio.
Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Listening, and this show is Evolve. And I'm here with Robin Michelle Jones, who is a cranial sacral therapist and a biodynamic uh, teacher who teaches uh, intrinsic touch, a biodynamic approach to fascial release, which she taught at Twin Lakes College for 12 years. And um, and we were talking about health and healing, and at last we were talking about how does someone settle their nervous system enough to hear the rhythms of the body? I mean, to me, this is just like so interesting. But um, it's it's I do it very differently because I do energy healing, but it's the same process. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. There's a way that we can drop into uh, these subtle fields of listening, and but like we were saying before, we there needs to be a way that our own nervous system needs to have done some levels of settling to be able to even arrive there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the practices that we use in the training that I teach is uh, we really work towards present moment awareness. Because when we have stuff that's cycling that we're thinking about, if we have even uh, some, maybe some trauma energies that are cycling on our system, these things can pull us out of the present. They have us worrying about the past, being concerned about the future, rather than being in the present moment. Because this kind of subtle listening absolutely has to happen in the present moment. Mm-hmm. That is truly where healing happens, mm-hmm. and that's where the perception, these, this perception that we've been talking about needs to happen. Uh, practical things that we do to be able to bring ourselves more present are a sense of slowing down. Slowing down is so important. In our, mm-hmm. in our culture, you know, we're on the fast track. And if you're on the fast track, that's actually emulated and it's admired and all of that. And yet, if we're on the fast track, then we're not able to hear the more subtle signals. Mm-hmm. It's like rushing to your car in the morning. You aren't noticing the softness of the breeze on your face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to slow down, you know, that stop and smell the flowers kind of an idea, but it really is that there's a way that our more native rhythm, uh, before we were in a more fast-paced culture, was sort of like that, you know, swaying your hips, there's fruit on the trees and fish in the sea, and, you know, I'm going to get from here to there just fine. Mm -hmm. And when we drop into that more kind of native rhythm, it's Mm -hmm. actually really literally a more fluid place. We Mm -hmm. feel more fluid. Mm -hmm. An interesting thing about how water is so connecting, Mm -hmm. that when we feel more fluid, we feel more connected to Mm -hmm. ourselves Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to our environment and to those around us. So slowing down into a more native kind of pace is actually not a danger to getting things done. Yeah. As we all know, when you're sort of in the groove or in the zone, you can be feeling connected, you can feel fluid, and there's actually a can be a centeredness to your movements, and you can right. actually perhaps even get more done. Right. Uh, it's kind of like the old um, Buddhist adage, you know, do without doing and everything gets done. Correct. It's like yeah. a getting into that rhythm of just being present with everything mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. do get put away and they do get the lawns get mowed and you know things happen actually better because you're present with what's going on and you can see the stone in the grass before you run over it exactly exactly <laughs> or get exactly. the stick out of the way yeah. or yeah you know I, I i think of you know driving like we're so used to driving that sometimes we forget what we're 
we're thinking about when we're driving. I mean, I, I, have you ever, like, gone from place to place and you don't know how you got there? Yeah, you don't have you, a memory of the last five minutes because yeah, you were thinking so hard. Because you were right. thinking so hard about something, some other issue or problem. And um, I think, or you were, you know, there was, cell phone was ringing or something else was happening. And so, um, heaven forbid that, you know, we should be on our cell phones when we're driving. But, I mean, it does happen when we're, we get so distracted just by our own brain. Right. So the the kind of frame of mind you're talking about is one where you really slow down and you're breathing rhythmically and you're conscious and present with the person. Right. Very much so. Mm-hmm. And you're paying attention to what's happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. One of the things I loved about my psychotherapy training was that we started out with two basic questions, and these were our foundational questions throughout the training. And the first question was, or is, what's happening now? Mm-hmm. And then the second question is, how is that for you? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it really brings you in, and a little bit complicated questions like that also like bring us out of our, you know, survival stuff in our uh-huh. brainstem. And the compl- complicated questions <laughs> bring us into our prefrontal cortex. Oh. And in our prefrontal cortex is where there is empathy and compassion and connection. Mm-hmm. So that's a good trick on ourselves. We mm-hmm. ask ourselves these kind of complicated questions. But it also can be a simple matter of just looking around the room. Mm-hmm. There is a, there are nerve connections between our neck and some basal uh, ganglia in our brain that when you move your neck around and when you look around the room, you're actually sending signals to your brain, I'm orienting, I'm looking around, I'm taking in my surroundings, I'm safe. Mm-hmm. And so when we get a stiff neck, it can actually lead to a sense of insecurity. Mm. But anyway, so that's one of the things that we can do. A simple thing that we can do is we can just... Just move your neck, move your head, and look around the room. And looking up is important, too. Mm-hmm. You know, living here in Santa Cruz, people say, I can always tell the tourists because they look up. Oh. <laughs> you know, they're <laughs> orienting to an unfamiliar surrounding. Right, right. So they're looking up, looking around. It's sending signals, direct neural signals into your brain and into your body. I've got a hold on the situation. I'm fine. Uh-huh. And a sense of safety is really an important thing for us to be able to settle, right. to be able to slow down, because right. we're not going to stop being revved if we don't feel safe. Right. So creating a sense of safety is important. I think that is such a key to healing. I, I know for myself, when I feel uh, that the client or the person that I'm working with is safe, that's the first thing I try to do is to in, instigate safety in the in the room and safety in the session, and I often you know s- surround us in light and healing. I mean, you know, not all therapists do that, but you can mentally do it without speaking it, and it drops people into a, a subtler place, a quieter place. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be, it's really essential in this kind of healing. I would think. Absolutely. We always talk about uh, safety and comfort. Mm -hmm. Because you know how it is you can be on a massage table and even the wrinkles in your pants behind your knees and somebody kind of pulls, you know, the practitioner just pulls the hem of your pants and takes the wrinkles out from behind your knees and you just find yourself dropping a whole other level. Right. So even comfort itself can have its subtle levels that contribute to a sense of safety. Right, right. I think that's so important. So, so safety, creating a safe place would be the first step in in 
a lot of what you're teaching, but go on and tell tell us a little, like, what else could we do just to help individual people that are not going to take a biodynamic training or craniosacral, mm-hmm. what can they do in their daily lives that can help them? I mean, we've talked about looking around and breathing and slowing down. Um, those are really important key things to have a, a calmer life and a more present life. Are there any other kinds of uh, things that you do in the trainings or for people that could help them become more present in the moment? I mean, what, do you have any other ideas? About yeah, another thing that we work with is uh, a simple tracking of a sensation in terms of body sensation. And this is for someone who feels comfortable enough and safe enough in their body to be able to just feel what's happening in their body. Mm-hmm. Uh, this can be just a matter of, again, that slowing down, taking a breath. Breathing is so key. Mm-hmm. Breathing is so key in terms of being able to settle ourselves. As when we're able to take a deep breath, the stretching of our respiratory diaphragm actually uh, signals to our autonomic nervous system it's safe we can relax. So it works both ways. You know that you're feeling safer and more relaxed, or your client is when you notice a deep breath happening. Mm -hmm. But you can also take some nice, easy, not forceful, deep breaths, and that helps to kind of grease the wheels, so to speak, and get that process going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So that tracking of sensation in the body is to begin with the slowing down. And this could even be if you're with a friend and the friend is really upset. Mm-hmm. Rather than matching that person in the level of their what we would call activation mm-hmm. or upset, mm-hmm. what if you became the more coherent system? And when the and and people resonate mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. so and they will resonate to the more coherent system. So what if your friend's really upset? You take a breath. Mm-hmm. Maybe you hold their hand because the social if that's good for them because the social nervous system is very settling. Mm-hmm. We make eye contact, we touch, we lean, we hug, sweet sounds, you know, sweet modulation in the voice. These are all innate in our nervous systems that they're settling for us. Probably from a very early age because when, you're, when yeah. you're speaking to a baby, you know, you're you're cooing to the baby or you're, you know, you're talking to them about how they can relax, you know. Mm-hmm. That kind of actually settles the child. And it's just so instinctual and inherent. But we don't think about doing it for other adults, you know, That's right. or That's other right. people around us. But it really does make a huge difference. Yeah, and I heard um, uh, Joseph Chilton Pierce, he was in a segment of a movie, and he was saying, he was talking about the social engagement nervous system and how it's inherent in us. And he said body molding, you know, hugging and like that, and sweet sounds and, and eye contact. Even when you're 75, you love that. Yeah, you know? absolutely, so. absolutely. So we were talking about tracking sensations. Yeah. But then I started talking about being with a friend, so I'm going to finish that part first. And that yeah. being with a friend who's upset or somebody who's needing some contact, needing some support, you being able to settle in yourself, take a deep breath, Feel your bottom on the chair. Feel your feet on the floor. Just feel yourself slow down and soften and breathe. It's going to make a huge difference for them. Mm-hmm. Just drop into your receptive place and be able to receive them. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of having to fix them, but rather to receive them and allow their nervous system to then match yours and be able to start to settle. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that a lot because 
it's you know Carolyn Mace talks a lot about um, you know woundology and how we get into talking about our wounds and you know like we we match each other's wounds and that actually doesn't help us heal. I mean right. she she talks a lot about that in many of her books. And I think that it's really true that when you can hold the resonant, it helps me to have somebody working with me uh, who can just hold the vibration of unconditional love yes. and be present with me. And then I can go through whatever diatribe I'm going through and then it settles out and I realize they're not going through that and that actually is good because I realize then it's my stuff that I'm listening to and going through and releasing. Right, and I, it gives you the opening to release it. You don't mm-hmm. have to hold on to it or keep reinventing it. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. That uh, one of the things we really work with in the training is is nurturing that ability in ourselves to generate what we call an empathetic holding field. Mm-hmm. And it is just exactly that, isn't it? It's the same as when we're doing the intrinsic touch work, which is more fascial and body oriented. Mm-hmm. If we're holding a joint, for instance, we're going to hold that joint gently but firmly. Mm-hmm. And the holding that's happening in that joint can then relax because mm-hmm. you're because the practitioner is doing the holding, mm-hmm. so it can mm-hmm. work on all those levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you somebody has a tight knee, you know the first thing is the touch that helps them release the stress mm-hmm. or tensions in the knee yeah. can really make a huge difference. Well, that's fascinating. Well, I I love talking about this because I think that. There is a great misunderstanding in the world about uh, body work or, you know, myofascial work or healing work in general. And I think that we're what we're talking about is really informative. Uh, it, it certainly is. I'm learning things as we're talking together. I'm learning about, you know, what I do consciously with uh, individuals, but I'm also learning a different language with the body because uh, you know so much about, you know, early childhood development and um, um, working with babies and you've worked with children, I know. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the inherent, going back to that early childhood, how how important is that when you're working with uh, craniosacral work, like recognizing those inherent rhythms that are naturally part of us. And do you refer to that a lot in your work? Like refer to the beginnings or, oh, this feels like an early childhood thing or this feels like this? or You know, it does arise. It does mm-hmm. arise in the work, and you be aware of it. Many practitioners actually had the experience of holding someone's head, an adult's head, and then feeling the head shrink in their hands and looking down to just check to see what happened. Uh-huh. But it does arise in these earlier patternings, these early woundings do arise, but they arise in this very um, organic body-oriented way uh-huh. that they arise and then they're able to just softly dissipate without a lot of emotional re-traumatization, mm-hmm. which is one of the beauties of this work for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So when you say without re-traumatization, that sometimes other modalities can actually re-injure the person by recreating the situation? Is that what you're saying? Well, what can happen is that um, if a person isn't uh, what we call resourced enough, enough in their body, and they begin to experience the emotions again, what we would call call in uh, Peter Levine's work, somatic experiencing work, calls it a trauma vortex. Mm -hmm. And we all know them. That's that place where you're kind of like, 
on the ride, mm-hmm. you know, and you're upset or you're emotionless, that same old place that you mm-hmm. go to, mm-hmm. we would call that a trauma vortex. Well, if somebody's in that kind of a place and they're cycling in their emotions, it may not necessarily be useful for them to continue to cycle in those emotions if they're not in their not in a sense of embodiment. Mm-hmm. Because then what you're doing is you're just reinforcing the trauma vortex. Mm-hmm. So different than other in the past, especially what we really work with in the craniosacral therapy, and which is partnered with the somatic experiencing work, is that way of being able to step back from the traumatic vortex or the, the emotion um, my teacher, uh, Gary Peterson, described it recently as like a fire. You'd want to be so close to the fire that it's burning you. Mm-hmm. You step back till you can kind of just feel the warmth of it, mm-hmm. and then you can be in relation to it, but you're not like lost in it. Yeah, you're not yeah. lost or swirling down the drain, as we might say. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, great. Well, this is so fascinating. So we're going to come back in just a few minutes and continue to talk with Robin Michelle Jones, who's a cranial sacral therapist and a biodynamic teacher and a biodynamic approach to fascial release. So we are, we'll be right back. This is uh, the show Evolve. I'm Robin White Turtle listening, and we're on Blog Talk Radio, Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E. Hermano, cántale, cántale a Santa Sara, pues, a nuestra diosa morena, a la reina de todos los gitanos. Quem tem pressa vai na frente, eu nasci para esperar. Quem quiser chorar que chore, eu nasci foi pra cantar Minha vida é a rua, meu país é a lua Sou amante cigano da liberdade Guarda minha morada nos mares do norte e do sul. Oh, Sara, Maria Sara, rainha do manto azul. Guarda minha morada nos mares do norte e do Sara, rainha do manto azul, guarda minha morada nos mares do norte e do sul. Sara, Maria Sara, rainha do manto azul, guarda minha morada nos mares do norte e do sul. Sara, Maria Sara. 
So we're back. I'm Robin White Turtle Listening, and this is the show Evolve. And my guest today is Robin Michelle Jones, who's a cranial sacral therapist and also a biodynamic teacher in myofascial release. So we were talking about um, being in the moment and and uh, what it's like when we re-traumatize and try not to re-traumatize. Could you just kind of walk through a session? Like, what would a session look like if someone came? To you or any other craniosacral therapist, how would it? How would they? What would they be confronted with in the room, or what would it look like? Sure, sure. Very similar. If if uh, folks are familiar with other forms of body work, for instance, in my office, I have a comfortable chair for people to land in, and I have a massage table. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would start with, I would start with having met the person over the phone. Maybe they might have told me some of their concerns. Maybe a doctor referred them or their acupuncturist or they had heard about craniosacral therapy and they were interested in trying it. Uh, people uh, in craniosacral therapy work with clients are clothed mm-hmm. and they lay on a massage table mm-hmm. and they can generally lay on their back, they can be on their side, they can be on their tummy, depending on what areas of the body are being worked with and what's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. The contacts are very, very gentle. And it's, it can be surprising to people because the, there's not a lot of doing, so mm-hmm. to speak, in Com- terms of ro- rocking or rubbing right. or massaging. Right. Not that you know a certain practitioner might include those kinds of things in a craniosacral session if mm-hmm. they are trained in those, uh-huh. if it seems like the person needs that. Mm-hmm. But if it was just a straight craniosacral session, then the person would be laying on the table as comfortable as possible, maybe a blanket, a pillow, do you need to be on your side, you're free to move at any time in the session if you need to. So a lot of attention to setting up safety and comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, the person is clothed, there's no disrobing involved. And the practitioner will um, just really set up, slow down, mm-hmm. and really move slowly and attend to the person, hear what their concerns are, why they came, and then help them to be comfortable on the table. Mm-hmm. And then by contact, you mean the actual touch that the, the right. therapist would do with the client. Right. So this might be, and it's interesting because craniosacral, obviously, is the head and the sacrum is the lower part of the back. And some people think, well, you're not touching my head. Are you doing craniosacral? But craniosacral rhythms are actually can be felt anywhere in the body. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes a practitioner will start holding the feet, for instance, mm-hmm. as a way of settling themselves, allowing the client to settle and come into resonance with their system, which is settling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what happens in the beginning of a session is what we call discharge. And this is similar to like when you're falling asleep at night and you might jerk or you know, you might just feel a little buzzy. What happens naturally in our nervous system, as soon as things are safe and comfortable, our nervous system will what we call downregulate. Mm-hmm. And it will discharge any excess energies that it picked up during the day or got revved during the day that it doesn't need anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the importance of a rest. Mm-hmm. And so the, you get this 
sense of the body kind of down-regulating. And literally, as a practitioner sitting at the feet, you might actually feel buzzing and tingling. Mm -hmm. But there's just this discharge out of the autonomic nervous system of energies that aren't needed anymore. Mm -hmm. So the whole first part of the session might be just that. Because how many of us don't need that? Mm -hmm. Right, right. And and then as it's just like um, a baby fussing before it's able to latch onto the breast. Mm -hmm. There's a need to, like, just let go of the day. You Mm -hmm. know, the dog was barking and it was loud, and then the mailman came and, Mm -hmm. okay, now I can nurse. Uh So the same thing as we're falling asleep or in a session like that, there's a way that our systems just crave and hunger for this down regulation, for this discharge. Our bodies don't want to carry this excess. Right, right. So that's one of the big benefits of these sessions is is a de-stressing. Uh-huh. of the nervous system, and then the nervous system is able to re-regulate itself. Mm-hmm. So then holds might be under the low back, it might be on the hips, it might be at the respiratory diaphragm or the shoulders, definitely at the head, because mm-hmm. the rhythms, the cranial rhythms can be felt in the head, and the, the cranial bones are actually very, uh, in, at one level, very malleable. Mm-hmm. And the sutures of the joints between them, there's a breathing that happens. You can feel the head widening and narrowing. So you're saying that sutures in the head where the bones of the head connect actually move even in adults because that's, right. that's not something that's commonly known. Right. And uh, right. especially in allopathic medicine, I remember mentioning that um, to my medical doctor father who's, who's really quite open to a lot of stuff. And I said, Dad, did you know that the bones in the head move? And he said, oh, no, we were taught that they don't, that after a certain point they're, they're that stationary. That they ossify. Right. They ossify, but... Not necessarily. Not necessarily, and you different um, anatomy schools teach differently. And in Northern Europe and in and in the United States, it's taught that the brain that the bones ossify, uh-huh. which they do. But there's still some micro movements, and these micro movements have been measured. Uh-huh. It's about a sixty fourth of an inch. Uh-huh. Really, and in really uh, anatomy that's taught in Southern Europe, for instance, you know, Doctor Upledger went to teach there, and he spends a whole day convincing people that the bones move, and every, he's getting no affect from the audience. <laughs> and finally, somebody told him, "Well, we know that. We're just waiting for you to get on with it." <laughs> so it's yeah, hmm. yeah. That's a fascinating reality that the bones move. So when they do move and they can expand there can be more relaxation of the whole system. Right, but right. And th- and actually the bones are meant to move. It's very rhythmic and and all the bones are articulated together so there's this lovely kind of sense of things widening and flowering. It's uh-huh. a dance together. It's not like they're all doing their own thing. Uh-huh. It's a very uh, choreographed, if mm-hmm. you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Everything moves together in this flowering and then this, so the the opening and the closing of the hand, right? The mm-hmm. the opening and then the the breathing in, the breathing out is very much like a breath, and this is the normal, natural movement that's meant to happen mm-hmm. for our for our baseline health. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Well, we are talking about cranial sacral therapy and uh, biodynamic uh, movement in the system. Uh, and uh, we were just talking about the, the skull and the bones, and I'm here with Robin uh, Robin Michelle Jones. I'm Robin White Turtle listening. Um, so just to wrap up a little bit, uh, the biodynamic instruction that you do is two years, and um, how would somebody get a hold of you or get a hold of um, anyone that's interested in learning more about this and uh 
is there a website that they could go to to learn more about cranial sacral therapy or um, a general one, or is there? Do you have a website? And yes, uh, a, a good place to start is uh, the website for biodynamic craniosacral therapy. It's at craniosacraltherapy.org. Mm -hmm. Has uh, even the home page has uh, links to pages. It has an, a, a lovely information on what is a session like, what is craniosacral therapy, what what all of those kinds of questions mm -hmm. themselves. Um, I'm personally working on my own website at this point, so I don't have one up and running. Mm -hmm. But uh, you can get, you can look for on that website also. You can look for practitioners in your area, mm -hmm. and I certainly would welcome a phone call from mm -hmm. someone if they're interested, if mm -hmm. they want to get in touch with me. And okay. and there are people who teach these trainings all uh, across the country as mm -hmm. well. And what is your business phone? My business phone is eight three one three four five. Seven five three seven. Uh huh. Great. So, thank you so much. This has been so interesting. I I love um I love the subtlety of cranial sacral work because really when I get off the table after I've had a session, I feel the difference. Like in the next hour or two after the session, I mean, you certainly feel the release during, but after the session, that's when it really starts to to click in for me, and I really love that about it, because um, that you can really feel the shifts in your emotional system and in your body as as you move along your day. I had a uh, a fun uh, reflection yesterday. Mm -hmm. I have a ten year old who I've been working with for uh, about a year, mm -hmm. and we had missed a couple of sessions because I've been traveling and they've been out of town. And I connected with her mom last night, and her mom said she's been asking for more sessions because she says that she feels, after after a session, she says, I feel like when I come out of math class, which is for her, this is what a good thing, and she says, I feel clean and clear. <laughs> I love that. Out of the, out of the out mouth, that, of mouth of babes. The 10-year-old <laughs> could describe it so well. Yeah, isn't that great? Well, I so appreciate you coming in today and talking about cranial sacral therapy and intrinsic touch. I've been speaking with Robin Michelle Jones, uh, who is a, a certified uh, cranial sacral therapist and biodynamic uh, intrinsic touch teacher uh, who, who uh, teaches biodynamic approach to uh, fascial release. So uh, she's taught at Twin Lakes College here in Santa Cruz for 12 years. And uh, she's been just talking with me about this bodywork modality of cranial sacral therapy and and how it is. Uh, how does it work? How how does it function? So thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great fun. This is Robin White Turtle Listening, and the show is Evolve on Blog Talk Radio, Firefly Willows, L I V E. Hi, thanks for joining us. This is Robin White Turtle Disney, and I just wanted to share with you that if you're interested in more of my work, uh, you could reach me at www.thecenterforthesoul.com. That's thecenterforthesoul, S-O-U-L.com. And I look forward to talking to those who've listened to the radio show. I'm always interested in feedback and your opinions. And so I uh, look forward to talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next time on Evolve.
Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Convergence with John Caracella, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.